Hi, welcome to episode 579 of the Fantastic Forecast. I'm Dave Elliott, and the snacks are mine, and I'm not going to share. In every episode of the Fantastic Forecast, I'll be talking about a different issue of the Fantastic Four, starting with issue 1 and going all the way to issue 645. Today is Fantastic Four 579 from July 2010. The Future Foundation, get used to hearing that phrase, by Jonathan Hickman and Neil Edwards. So the issue begins in Golden, Colorado. In the year 2010, rare for them to mention the actual year within the story, at a conference called Singularity. My guess is it's kind of like TED Talks, only without TED. They introduce Reed Richards, who comes out on stage to applause. Reed talks about how the conference has gotten bigger and bigger over the last 10 years that they've been doing it. He envisioned it as a place where the greatest minds of a generation could come together, examine the world's problems, and look aggressively into the future to envision the direction in which humanity should be headed. I have a feeling that the direction doesn't include travel bans, walls on borders, and a 19th century style Supreme Court. Reed calls out and praises Jennifer Walters, the She-Hulk, for her speech on the impending legal and moral dilemmas of genetic engineering called Synthetically Created Humanity? Property? Or Person? I don't know what side she came down on, but I know what side I'm on. Property? If there's a clone of me running around, I better own that bitch. He's mine. My property. And no one better be treating my clone like a person. No one treats me like a person, and I'm not even a clone. It would be very offensive if they were treating my clone like one. And after he praises the She-Hulk speech, Reed goes on to say, It's unfortunate the same cannot be said for the rest of you. Slam! He rags on Dr. Chang for his speech, Approaching Infinity, the dream of an energy-neutral life, which Reed calls politics masquerading as practicality. Reed criticizes another guy's speech on suspending manned space missions in a global recession. Which is weird because the decision to stop manned space missions was made by President Bush in 2004. I guess not in the Marvel Universe. Of course, with Reed launching spaceships from his penthouse apartment on trips to the moon and other planets, NASA must look pretty lame. Reed comes to a conclusion why all these other speeches from this conference kinda suck. You've grown old, he says. They're old? Reed is 2010, and you're a World War II veteran. You're old. You know, he does have a point. Old people are pretty useless. All the best scientists are young, like, you know, three years old, like Reed's daughter. So he gives a long speech about how all these old people are scared of the future. Which he has a point. My parents are old, and they are very, very scared of the future and pretty much everything else. Reed ends his speech by saying that he resigns from the group, and that the fire of discovery is burning inside him. I assume he's not talking about the minivan. It's hard to muster up any feelings about this scene at all because we've never heard of this stupid group before, ever. 
So, ooh, how dramatic. He's resigning from the group that we've never heard of before. What was their, what were they called again? Singularity? So a week later, Alex Powers is moving into the Baxter building. He's being helped by the talking spaceship called Friday. Oh, Jonathan Hickman loves his power pack. So Reed is excited. Instead of trading ideas with stodgy old men his age, he's going to be doing some solid scientific work with uh, teenagers and young children. As Reed leads Alex inside, they walk through the Baxter building, which is impressive. Pl plus, as always, it looks like no version of the Baxter building that we have ever seen before, at least inside. Alex has a concern. He's seen the list of other people working with Reed, and Alex is worried because he might be the dumbest. Really? There's like a group of Moloids there, and Dragon Man, and Alex feels like he might be the dumbest? Reed says that Alex is the only person on the list who has been to another world, and, that, and that's an important experience. I guess Franklin's not on the list? Can you imagine going to a job interview with Reed? Did you get a perfect score on your SAT? Have you been to another world? Are you under the age of 20? So elsewhere at the city called Peak, the old Atlantean city in Antarctica, the king of this group of Atlanteans, who have evolved differently from the blue-skinned Atlanteans that we're used to, He's kind of telling Sue that he feels restless. He wants to check out the larger world now. Old men can still dream, can't they, Susan? He asks. Sue says yes. You know, if he asked Reed, Reed would probably say no. Sue has made some kind of unspecified request, which the king calls unusual, but he agrees to it. And back in New York, Spider-Man has a pointless cameo as he swings by the Baxter building. While inside, the group of super smart Moloids are making themselves at home. There's two Moloids who are like teenagers, I think. One is a baby, and the fourth Moloid is just a head in a jar. They like it there. There's food and books, and they learn to read. Yesterday, the Moloid named Mick is writing a bunch of equations on the window. Still, Reed just can't invest in some notebooks, can he? Or maybe some laptops. Everyone's writing on the walls and the windows. Mick has an equation where he's figured out that the curved axis runs from the Forever City, their home, to Old Atlantis, to an inhuman city on the moon, and the axis mirrors the freq frequency in which a portal to a place called the Negative Zone opens. Last issue, I wondered how Hickman would tie all these four cities together and he just used a Moloi to do it. And I still don't understand it. They decide to ask Ben for advice. And meanwhile, we take a surprising side trip to the rapidly aging New World. We see New World after 17 years, where Ted Castle has created a time bubble to prevent him from and everything in his lab from being affected by the time-space-time distortions. And after 105 years, he's created a genetically engineered synthetic copy of his dead wife, Alyssa Moy. And on New World in real time, beyond the distortion, whatever that means, I guess that means they're not on New World, we see that something called the Ultron Collective have uh, found an uninhabited moon to live on and terraform. 
And on New World, after 197 years, Natalie X has used her enhanced brain power to take control over the entire population of New World. After 221 years, we see Lord Lightwave sitting on his throne, dreaming of a halcyon tomorrow spent serving Galactus. What? After, 100, after 326 years, music plays and Bruce Banner Jr. is getting older. That's what it says. That, what does that mean? I don't know. And I don't want to know. Back at the Baxter building, Franklin is in a karate outfit, showing off his moves to Johnny, Ben, Valeria, and Dragon Man. I'm sure Dragon Man is so interested. Franklin says, Now listen up, guys. This is how it's going to be. I'm the good guy, and you're the bad guys, and now I'm going to punch your faces in. If you got a problem with that, you're going to have to settle it with, uh, with more face punching. I can't say that. He doesn't know what to say next. Ben and Johnny think more face punching sounds pretty good. It's no catchphrase, but it's a start. I think this is a cute scene until Valeria asks for a screwdriver. She says that she's going to work on Dragon Man, an android, to find a way to make him smarter. Ugh. She goes on for a bit about all this, and Ben says he's going to get up and go watch a fight. Time to die, buttheads! is Franklin's next try at a catchphrase, which I'd rather like. And we see that Franklin is about to have a karate fight with two other kids, Artie and Leech. The two mutant kids attack Franklin at the same time. Franklin tosses Artie aside, and Artie tries to use his special helmet to distract Franklin by projecting an adult karate fighter into the air. But Franklin kicks him in the head and knocks off the, he out <laughs> knocks off the helmet. The winner of this fight gets some chocolate, and Franklin says, the snacks are mine, and I'm not going to share. Well, there's your catchphrase right there. I like that. And then, for some reason, Valeria, riding on Dragon Man, moves in like she's going to join the fight. Which, that's kind of like cheating, isn't it? Bringing a giant robot dragon to a karate fight. But Artie distracts her by using his helmet to show a projection of the inside of Dragon Man's head. A skill that Valeria finds interesting, and that's the end of that. So elsewhere, at a place called P period, A V period, L period, O period, V period, Pavlov, terrible name, is a metahuman psychiatric facility. No idea what the acronym stands for, but in order to get that combination, I bet it's pretty wacky. Reed has come by to have a look at the wizard who's locked up in his cell. He has gone nuts, rambling, talking crazy talk, not making any sense. In other words, he's acting very presidential. Reed hands over a box to someone on the staff, something to give to the wizard. Reed says he has taken anything dangerous out of it. They give it to the wizard, he puts it on, it's his big purple helmet. And now he seems a little more sane. He's like, Oh yes, uh, born again. And he says hello to Dr. Richards. Reed says he's come to talk about Bentley, who was that weird boy from Franklin's birthday party, who's a clone of the wizard. Wizard gives another rambling speech, something about how God's math is constant, and without variables, the result is always the same. Everything is going to burn.
There will be no tomorrow, and there is nothing else to save. Reed says it's sad to see the wizard like this, but tells him his little clone is now living at the Baxter building, and that even though the boy is no different from the wizard, he's going to become something better. And later, we see Reed in a classroom with all the kids, and he says he's going to teach one class, and it's pass or fail. We see the Dragon Man, who, who's now wearing reading glasses. So Valeria must have made him smarter, but she can't fix his eyes. What's up with that? She's useless! And Reed tells them, Welcome to the Future Foundation. I'm still not sold on this Future Foundation stuff. I think it's just one big tax write-off. And that's all for now. We're done. If you have any questions about the Fantastic Four, about this podcast, or if you need or relationship advice, you can email me at podcastff at gmail.com. You can download other episodes of iTunes and find them all at www.podcastff.podbean.com. So long, kids. This podcast is over. The orange and green lights, they are pulling me in again. The orange and green lights, they are pulling me in again. And I'm taking three steps forward And two steps back again Take a couple steps out into the street A few steps on small man's lawn You can take off your plastic gloves If it's scary enough as it is off your plastic gloves I'll eat those hot dogs As long as they spin And you can actually taste the shame You can taste the shame As the mustard rolls down your chin Like rain